0: Thanks Tab and the band. I invite you to grab a seat, Tabby and the band. Um, we'll be back a little bit later. I, uh, I had to go to so much trouble to find Lego during the week. I, uh, I haven't bought Lego for a really long time and so I went to uh, I went to Kmart thinking that like you know everything's cheap at Kmart. Um these tablets from Kmart they're super cheap so I figured like okay I'll just go to Kmart, like that's where people go. I went to Kmart. Uh, there's not that much Lego there. Or you've got two options, you've got like the $15 option or like a $350 option. <laughs> I didn't even know Lego was that expensive. And so I decided, okay, well, I'll just go over to Toys R Us, like down the road. Um, and then I got really intimidated when I was like, trying to pick Lego, because the Lego section is right near the cashier, and so this guy, like, is staring at me like, I was in intense thought figuring like, out what Lego to buy, because there's like Star Wars Lego now. There's like Batman Lego, there's like regular Lego, and there's like Lego City, there's all these different kinds of Lego. And I was like freaking out, and there's me, and then there's this six-year-old kid staring at Lego with me. And like, it was pretty clear that I was not everything, and I was like feeling really, real awkward. Um, but something came off of it, as I'm like staring at this like wall full of Lego. Realised that I, I actually think that Lego is like the IKEA flat packs for kids. Now, I, I know that's weird, but just, like, just bear with me, because right, when you get an IKEA flat pack, the rule is that instructions are cheating. Like you, if you look at the instructions, that's cheating. That's the same with Lego. When, when it comes to IKEA flat packs and Lego, they're the same, because there's always that last piece that, that when you've got to put it into place, everything tells you it should just seamlessly move into place. It should just click, and it's done, or you just, that last turn of the Allen key, and then it's done that's never the case. You like, have to bend the laws of physics to get that last Lego piece into the box. You have to bend the laws of physics to get that last like, piece in the IKEA flat pack. And then, when you've like, finally got your Lego done, you've finally got your IKEA pack done, you take a step back, and then you realize there's one piece left over. And then you just kind of say to yourself, like, they must have had extras. Because every time you've needed an extra, there's never been an extra. But this one time you don't need one, of course they would have had extras. And so that's really like why I, I was kind of the revelation I came to in the middle of Toys R Us during the week. And, and maybe you're sitting there and uh, if this is uh, your first time to church, uh, maybe you're kind of like not sure how we, how we do these things and you're so probably sitting there like he's going somewhere. And maybe if you've been to church for a while, you're like, oh, I wonder... I wonder what illustration, how is he going to, what, what is he going to talk about the Lego tonight, how is it going to play together, and, and I just want to say that if, if that's where your mind is travelling, if you think that I've got this cool illustration, thank you, but you think too much of me, I'm not intelligent enough to come up with a cool illustration like that, all I wanted to get you to simply ask is what is the point of this, like where is he going with this story, like wh- how do Ikea flat packs and Lego, how does that have to do, what does that have to do with anything? Because this question is what we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks and if you're new or this is your first time, uh, my name is Chris, I'm one of the communicators here and and we do this thing called series where for a number of weeks we'll deep dive and we'll we'll approach and attack a whole, uh, one big idea from a whole heap of different angles and tonight we're launching a brand new four-part discussion simply called, What's the Point? Because we believe that at some point in everyone's life, they ask the question, what's the point? That'll, not that one, the next one. The next one's got a question mark after it. There you go. What's the point? Because And maybe, maybe you've asked this question uh, already in your life. In fact, chances are, if you've ever come face to face with death, you've maybe asked this question. If you've ever been to a funeral and they're reflecting on, on someone's life, maybe, maybe you've asked, hey, what is the point of life? Is there, is there something more or, or is it just going through the motions? Maybe for some of you, you, you love camping, or you have that, that place that you go to that you just kind of disconnect from reality. That's kind, of, that's kind of another place where I think we ask this question. You know, when you're sitting around with friends, you're staring into the fire, there's no distractions, the stars are out, and you're just kind of looking at the stars, and you're like, I wonder if there's anything more. I wonder, wonder what the point of all of this is. And, and maybe there are some of you who are right now, and you're standing there, and you're like, Chris, I'm not asking this question. In fact, I can't ever see myself asking this question. I can't see myself asking this question in the next 5, 10, not even in really in the next 20 years. And, and, if, and if that's you, I just want to let you know that is totally okay that you're not asking this question. But, but just because you're not asking this question doesn't mean it's not an important question. Just because you're not, uh, you haven't asked this question yet, it doesn't mean that it's not an important question. And I get why you haven't asked it yet. Because for so many of us, at the point of life that we're at, the question we're asking is not what's the point, but the question we're asking is simply, what's next? Right. Maybe you're in the process of, of finishing high school. And so for you, you're not asking what the point of life is, you're asking like, what's next? Like, what's next on my assignment? What's next for next week? You know, what OP do I have to get? And then you get out of school. What's next? What's next? Is it maybe to pursue that university course? Is it to to pursue that trade? Is it to go into that industry you've always wanted to? Is it to get that qualification? Maybe it's to travel. What's next? But there gets a point as we move through life where where what's next starts to run out. Sure, we can ask what's next and and we we get into a relationship and, and we say, oh, maybe there's something special about this guy, this girl, what's next? And then marriage comes along and we start to say, oh, should I get that dog or should I get that cat? I'm just kidding, no one wants cats. Like everyone's... <laughs> I'm just kidding, we love you if you're a cat person, but cats just won't be in heaven, that's just the rule. And you ask, like, what's next? You know, are there? And maybe you... then you have kids and you think, okay, well, we've got kids, what's next? Is it that promotion? Is it that pay rise? When the kids finally move out of house, what's next? And there will come a time in your life there will come a time in your life where, where you go to ask the question, what's next? And you don't have anything to insert in the gap. And when you don't have anything to insert in the gap, you're going to come back full circle and you're going to say, what's the point of all of this anyway? What, what am I doing? What am I here for? And so the reason that we're doing this series is because we want to help you answer that question on the front end. We want you to answer this question as early in your life as you can. And the subtitle of this series, the reason why we're asking it, the subtitle is Discovering Your Greater Purpose. Because we believe that when you actually ask this question, when you wrestle this question to the ground as uncomfortable as it may be, you actually begin to discover your greater purpose in life. And so that's what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks. But to to kind of transition us into uh, tonight and what we're going to do, we're really just going to set the scene tonight. In order, in order to set the scene, I, I just want to make an assertion, and the assertion is simply this, that you have a gift. You have a gift. Whether, whether you believe that, that God gave you that gift, or whether you believe that that gift is just written into your DNA, you have a gift Whether you acknowledge that you have a gift or or maybe you're kind of like, I don't really know if I have a gift. Or maybe you're like, I don't have a gift. I want you to know if you're in that camp, I don't have a gift. You need to come back next week. We're going to give you some really practical tools that you can use to discover your gift. Because even if you don't have a gift, I believe that you do have a gift. And for some of you, you're sitting there and you're like, gift, like what is that? That is a really churchy word. Have you got like some synonyms or something that I can like wrestle with? And, and I get it, gift is a churchy word. So maybe you wouldn't say gift. Maybe you would say skill or talent or ability. And I believe that every single person in this room has a, has a talent, has an ability, has a skill or has a gift. But before we move on, I just, I just need to clarify what I mean by when I say you have a gift. What I don't mean is you're the only person in the entire world that has your gift. That is not true. In fact, there are probably lots of people that have a similar gift to you. You're unique, but your gift is probably not that unique. There are lots of people who have the gift. I I didn't say that you are the best in the world at your gift, that you are set apart on another level. Everyone looks up to you in the world and, and everyone in the world turns to you for your gift. I didn't say that. In fact, it may just be your close circle of friends that recognize you have that gift and turn to you for that gift. In fact, maybe the reason that you don't think you have a gift is because you're comparing yourself to other people who have your gift. And for whatever reason, maybe it's the simple fact that they've been on the earth longer so they've had more time to develop their gift. You look at yours and you say, my gift is not like theirs. It's in the same ballpark, but we're, we're, we're on two different levels. And so you've reached the conclusion that you don't have a gift, But just because someone has your gift, and maybe they've spent more time developing your gift, doesn't mean that you don't have one. And I totally get that within our culture, uh, that that there is that tall poppy syndrome. You know, it is kind of not really cool in the Aussie culture to sort of acknowledge that you have a gift. It's not really all right to say like, yeah, actually, I am kind of good at something. Because straight away, someone just wants to cut you down at the knees because they feel that, oh, you're getting too big, and who are you to say that you have a gift? And I don't want you to brag about your gift. I just want you to acknowledge humbly that you have one. And your gift could be anything. You could be one of those people that you just love spreadsheets and you love numbers and and projects and pie charts and graphs and those things just like, wow, they light up the room for you. We need those people in the world. That's not me, but we need you in the world. Maybe there are some of you, you're just an incredibly loyal friend. Your, Your gift is that when someone picks up the phone, no matter what time of the day or night, they know that you will answer the phone for them. Maybe for some of you, for those of you who are a little bit older in this room, you're just an incredible parent. And other parents, you maybe wouldn't consider yourself a great parent, but other parents, when they're having troubles, they look to you for parenting advice. Maybe that there are some of you in this room when uh, you're that person at uni or you're that person at school where people who are wrestling with a particular subject, they come to you for help. They don't go to anyone else for help, they come to you. Maybe your gift is the fact that no matter, what, uh, no matter who you meet, no matter what time of the day or night, you have this uncanny ability to relate to people. You maybe you have the ability to just set people at ease. Maybe Your gift is something. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality. This is something I don't have. My idea of being hospitable, if you come over to my house and my wife is not home, okay, my wife has the gift of hospitality. Everyone at the front's laughing because they're in our connect group. They know how this works when my wife's not there. If you come over to my house and it's my responsibility to cater, I think that a bag of chips on the table is good enough. What do you need a bowl for? That's just more washing up for me. Like you could open the bag and stick your hands in there. My wife, no, she has the gift of hospitality. She's like, four cheeses is four cheeses too many. We need more cheeses. We need grapes. We need biscotti. Who even knows what biscotti is, but we need it because she has the gift of hospitality. And, and so, so do you. You, have, you don't have the gift of hospitality. Maybe you do, but, but you have a gift. But if we're honest about life, Sometimes we come to a point where having a gift isn't enough. I don't know if you've experienced this, but but I see this really clearly in in child prodigies or or people who are kind of tabbed as the next big thing, whether that's in sports, whether that's in in the arts, whether that's in academics. Maybe for you, you started school and there was this person that was at school was just so incredible. And, that, and they were getting like A's all the time, they were, got that OP1, and everyone was like, that person is gonna go on, and they're gonna make a great name for themselves, they're gonna be at the forefront of their field. And then time passed, and you never really heard their name, and you wondered what happened to them. I had an experience uh, like this a couple of months ago where uh, someone that I actually used to play sport with at a young age, a sport I wasn't particularly good at, but this person was incredible. This person was a person that you looked at when they were playing, you were like, you are gonna do big things. You are gonna be on the world stage. You are gonna be on the cameras. You're gonna be signing people's autographs. Can I get your autograph now? Because I, like, we, everyone who knew this person believed that the sport that they were in, that they were gonna be on the world tour. And then time passed and no one ever really heard of him. And I ran into him one day and I said, hey, like, what happened? What, what happened in your life that, you know, you, you were such a prodigy, you were so incredible? And what he said to me is like, it was great for a while. But then all of a sudden, wow, I'm glad it's cooling off a little bit though, like, whew. um And all of a sudden he got to this point where, where he said, you know, I, I, I used to love it. I used to love this sport, it fulfilled me. I loved waking up early, I loved training. I loved missing, spending time with my friends so I could do this sport. Sure, it was hard, but it fulfilled me. But then he said everything started to change, and it started to get serious, and all these expectations started to get piled on my shoulders, and and all of a sudden I started to wake up one day, and it was more and more difficult, and it was harder and harder and harder for me to do this sport, and finally I gave up because this thing that once fulfilled me frustrated me so much. And maybe you've experienced that in your life, that this gift, this passion that you have got to a point where what what was supposed to fulfill you begins to frustrate you. Where you used to love getting up to go to that job. You used to love waking up. You actually used to love going to class because you love this one particular subject, but then over time, it began to grate at you and it began to frustrate you. And you wish that you could go back in time to a place where that that passion or that hobby or that, that thing that you have really fulfilled you, but you don't know if you can go back. And in that moment, you began to say, surely there's got to be something more. Surely there's got to be something else. Surely I can't, I shouldn't have to go through life constantly feeling frustrated. Surely I can recapture that sense of fulfillment. And so you decided to search for something more, to search for something that would recapture or reignite that sense of fulfillment in your life. And maybe some of you are right there now where you're feeling frustrated, maybe you're not at the point where you're ready to give up, but it's certainly getting there. And if that's you, and maybe you're asking this question, I wanna ask you, what is the more that you're searching for? What is it? If If you had to try and put your finger on it, what would you say? Is it that relationship that you're chasing? Is it that career? Is it that dream job? Is it that title at work? Is it maybe to have the same car as everyone else? Is it maybe to be able to buy your first home like everyone else? Is it to be able to keep up with the latest trends and fashion as, as everyone else? Is it maybe to, to wish that you had enough money in your bank account so that you never had to ask, can I go out tonight? Can I afford this? Maybe it's grades. I don't know what your more is, but what is the more in your life that you're searching for? Because there was someone who lived about 1,000 years before Jesus, and his name was Solomon, and he was the king of Israel. And Solomon was actually looked up to, uh, and he had a a whole heap of gifts, actually. But the gift that Solomon was most known for was his wisdom. And this wasn't just kind of like some wise, sagey person. Solomon was so wise that kings and queens would travel thousands of kilometers to sit at his feet and say, hey, Solomon... We want to learn how to grow our kingdom, how to expand our networks, because we see what you're doing, and it's incredible. Historians have actually said that when it comes to the nation of Israel, King Solomon is solely responsible for leading them into what's called the golden age of the nation of Israel. Could you imagine having that gift of wisdom when people looked back 3,000 years? ago is when Solomon lived, that when people look back 3,000 years in history, they looked at your name and they said, that person was responsible for bringing bringing that nation into its golden age. And that's what happened for Solomon. Solomon was so wise that we actually know that in a single year, in a single year, Solomon increased his net worth to $600 million, sorry, by $600 million. You thought some of these investors were crazy. Solomon, in an age where 600 million was hard to come by, increased his net worth by 600 million. But the problem was that Solomon experienced this yearning for more. Solomon experienced this desire to find out the more that he he got to a point where he's like, surely there's gotta be something else. He got to next and he realized there's nothing there. And so he asked, what's the point? And we're incredibly fortunate because Solomon actually wrote a lot of his thoughts down. He wrote a number of, of books that are uh, incorporated in the writings, or the books that we would call uh, that make up the, uh, the Bible. And Solomon's writings are found usually in the first part, the Old Testament. And what's, what's incredible for us is that Solomon, in his quest, when he was trying to find this more, actually wrote a journal. And he journaled his account of what he experienced. He wanted to write it down so that other people could learn from his experience. And we we find that writings in this really fancy tongue tying uh, book called the Book of Ecclesiastes. And so tonight we're gonna get an insight into Solomon's quest to find the something more that he was searching for and see what we can learn from one of the wisest men who ever lived. And it starts in Ecclesiastes 1.16 where Solomon starts out this way. He said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings and queens that have ruled in Jerusalem before me. In other words, he acknowledged, he said, you know, I have a gift. And this is not arrogance. Like we said, people used to travel from thousands of kilometers to visit him. This is just fact. But he says, I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. And when you're searching for more, that becomes a problem. Because if you've given out your knowledge to everyone else, you can't go to them for knowledge because you know what they know because you've given them what they know. So Solomon goes, I have to figure out another way to discover this more. And so he goes on, he says, I set out to learn everything. I wanted to to put my, my great intellect, my great wisdom into this. And he says, from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned, in other words, I discovered firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. That's not a great start because it looks like he wasn't on the right track, but don't worry, we'll get there. So Solomon, he continues. He kinda, that's his like summary statement, and then he moves on. He says, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. And maybe you've experienced this in your life. You've turned on the news. You've opened Facebook. You've looked at the newspapers, and, and you're conflicted and you're confronted when you see everything that is going on in the world the atrocities that are happening in our country, the injustice that is present, not to mention what is happening on a global scale. And so, so maybe you wouldn't say it like Solomon would, but you would say something like, ignorance is bliss. If I don't have to know what's going on, it saves me. Because the more I find out about what's going on, the more and more it grieves me. And Solomon would say, I completely get it. I've been there before. But then he goes on, he said, I said to myself, come, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. This should, this should be sweet. Solomon decided to make a rap video. He said, but, uh, but I found that this too was meaningless. And he, he finishes, he said, so I said to myself, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? You know, I tried to have the Bugatti. I tried to have the girls and, and I, was, I just went after pleasure and I thought that's kind of silly because I didn't find the more I was searching for. And then he says, after much thought. In other words, Solomon had started out really well and then he goes, well, I'm really struggling with this, so I'm gonna take some time. I'm gonna really think about what my next options are. And Solomon, the wisest man in history, when he put some thought into thinking about his options, decided to do this. He says, I decided to cheer myself with wine. In other words, I couldn't figure out what to do, so I decided to you know, have a couple of cheeky bevies. I decided to have a Sunday sesh at the Norman Bee. Now, that's what Solomon pursued. And he said, And while seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. And he goes on, he says, In this way, in this way, I tried to experience the only happiness that most people find during this brief life. Or the brief life in this world. In other words, what Solomon was saying, he says, Hey, maybe for some of us we get to a point in our lives where we think, hey. Maybe one glass of wine turns into two, turns into three, turns into a bottle. Maybe that one Smirnoff double black turns into two, turns into a six-pack. Maybe that beer turns into one, turns into a carton. Maybe that medication that was once prescribed to you turns into, well, I don't really need it anymore, but I'm just going to keep taking it. And maybe for you, you're kind of thinking to yourself, the reason you do it is because you think, if this is all that life is, why would I not just enjoy it? Because if this is all the pleasure that I can get out of life, why not? And he goes on, he says, I also tried uh, to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. Now, I just want you to notice he says homes, which is plural. and, And what he says next kind of paints the picture of just how big Because we're talking about someone who in one year had $600 million increase in his bank account. This is not someone who kind of thinks like, oh, I'll have like a nice, you know, couple of stories, maybe a six better. Solomon's talking really big. And this is is how big he is in the next thing. He says, I made gardens and parks. My houses were so big, I needed botanical gardens attached to my houses. They were so big. Filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. And then I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my flourishing groves my gardens were so big, I had to build a reservoir to, feed, to, to water them because they were going to die otherwise. Solomon went as big as he could possibly go in his pursuit for more. And then he chose another truck. He said, I bought slaves. Now, obviously, this is time-bound. So, this is time-bound. Obviously, we don't have slaves in Australia, although there are still slaves in some parts of the world, unfortunately, but, but in our modern culture or context, slaves, think employees. I got my wealth to a point where I now decided to employ people to do stuff for me that I, yep, is that on? Yeah, there we go. To do stuff for me that I could have done for myself. I was so important. My empire was so big that I had to employ people to do stuff that I could have done for myself. The back one shorted, so that's good. We've got to back up. Here we go. Uh, where are we? He says, I, then we go on, I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasures of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers. In that day and age, Justin Bieber didn't go touring. One Direction didn't go touring because uh, King Solomon put them on retainer in his, one of his huge homes. And he decided whenever he wanted that those singers were going to come out and entertain him, both men and women. And I had many beautiful concubines. And if That's a word that you're like, what is that word? What does that mean? That's uh, just a woman that isn't your wife. Uh, Solomon had 300 concubines. He had a specific area where all his concubines lived. He also had 700 wives. So when he says this next statement, he kind of means, he said, I had everything a man could desire. You thought your relationship was complicated. Solomon couldn't even remember the names of all his 1,000 concubines and brides. And then he goes on, so I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me and my wisdom never failed me. In other words, I was now the gold standard of more, is what Solomon concluded. And then he goes on, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found pleasure in hard work. In other words, he didn't say, hey, I just didn't snap my fingers and all this stuff came. I actually had to spend time building this. I had to spend time working with people to gain this wealth, to to build these homes. This wasn't something that was just handed to me on a platter. He said, I actually found it a reward for all my labors, in fact. And then this is how he concludes. He says, but I looked at everything I had and everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, and it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. If this is the conclusion of the wisest man in history, of the something more, I feel like we're in trouble. I feel like you and I are in big trouble if this is what Solomon comes to. In fact, maybe you're thinking to yourself, like what's going on? If this guy got to this point and he was supposed to be able to answer this question, if he was the wisest guy in history, What's going on? Why didn't he come to a conclusion? And I believe that we had to cut Solomon a little bit of slack, right? Because Solomon didn't have the full story. Solomon didn't have the benefit of living in a world where Jesus lived. Solomon didn't have the benefit of seeing all the pieces. We don't need that, that's the instructions. We'll be fine, don't worry. I wrote this message earlier, sweet. Solomon didn't have the benefit of seeing all the instructions. He never got the chance or the opportunity, wow, to live in a world where Jesus lived, to live and hear the teachings of Jesus, where Jesus actually said, God has created you. And whether you you believe that or not, we believe that God has actually created you. And because God has created you, he has created you with something greater in mind. And we would say that the reason that we know that God has created you is because God didn't create you and then like step off into space, fold his arms and say, I'm done. God actually stepped into history and revealed himself as Jesus. And then to top it all off, he died on a cross. And the reason that he died on the cross was to, so that when you ask the question, what's the point, you would actually be able to see the bigger picture that you would be able to see the bigger story of what's going on, that you wouldn't be looking around and go, well, what does this gift have to do? And you wouldn't look and compare and you wouldn't say, hey, there's a glow-in-the-dark spider in there. And then you would see someone else got the -the glow-in-the-dark spider gift that you wanted, and you wouldn't feel jealous because you would know that the gift you have is part of a greater purpose. Because when you don't realise... And when maybe you're struggling, you're wrestling to understand your part in the greater purpose, when you don't see the bigger picture, you start to look at all sorts of things. And you start to say, well, well, maybe I want this gift. This is the kind of gift that gets all the recognition in the world. So, so that's the kind of gift that I want. Or, or maybe you want something like this kind of gift. Because this gift, if I have a whole heap of Instagram followers, and if I'm an influencer on social media, everyone will look at me. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to be the boring rectangle that's grey. I don't want that gift. But when you actually begin to discover that there's something more in store, that there is a greater purpose, that God has created you with more in mind, all of a sudden this question, what's the point, begins to take on a whole different meaning because it can actually help you discover. Your gift can actually help point you to your greater purpose. Now, I understand that that's kind of a lot for one night. Sort of a lot for one night. So I just want to give you one thing to do this week, one thing to think about, one thing to be aware of this week. Um, if you've never been with us before, we actually call this um, thing our For Monday because we believe that if you come and spend time with us, we actually want to give you some tools. We don't want this to just be a place where you come along and you hear a message and you're like, well, that was kind of cool, but I don't really know what to do with it. All right, we actually want this to be something where you know exactly how you can apply this to your life if you'd like to, because we want your Monday to be impacted as well. And so all I want you to do this week is simply do this, monitor your mood. As you're going through life, as you're applying your gift, whether it's the gift of film or, or maybe the gift of, of friendship or, or maybe uh, the gift of hospitality, I want you to, to pay attention to the places that you use your gift and begin to ask questions like, what brings me fulfillment? What in my life brings me fulfillment? Maybe ask the question, what in my life frustrates me? And, and what, what about it? What is it exactly that frustrates me? And, and for those of you who are asking, what is it that fulfills me? I'll be asking, you know, what is it about this thing that fulfills me? What is it about this gift, this gift of numbers or this gift of being able to spend time with people that actually brings me fulfillment? And what is it about this gift of relationships that once used to fulfill me, but now frustrates me? And if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to maybe consider, is the tension, that frustration you're feeling because you've separated your gift from the giver? Is it because that you've taken a gift that was given to you by God, that was designed to be used as part of a greater purpose, and you've said, you know what, God, thanks for this gift, but I want to make this gift all about me. I want to leverage it to boost my ego, to boost my self-esteem, so that when I see this gift, people point at me, and people, people shout out me on social media, and people tell all their friends about me, and they say, hey, look at this person, this incredible gift they have. Could it be that if you're a follower of Jesus that you've done this for so long that the frustration you're feeling is not actually frustration at your gift, but frustration at the fact that you've turned the gift that God gave you and you've started to point it towards yourself? And it was never intended for that in the first place. It was always intended to point back to the one who gave it to you in the first place. And maybe, maybe if you're a follower of Jesus, that tension is because you've separated the gift from the giver of gifts. So I'm going to pray uh, right now, but I just want to let you all know that if you've been here and and maybe you're kind of like, well, this is all great, uh, but maybe you're feeling that you don't have a gift. Come back next week because we're going to give you two practical tools to help you discover your gift. Because we actually believe that your gifts are just one part of a fingerprint that God has on your life that's pointing towards your greater purpose. And if you're here and you think like, I'm I'm sorted, Chris, I already know my gift, then come back next week because what if there's a gift that you have that you don't know about yet? Don't you want to discover maybe what that additional gift is that you could potentially use to point back to the giver? So I'd love to invite you back next week and I'd love to pray for us all right now. Heavenly Father, it can be frustrating when There's something that used to bring us such fulfillment, causes such frustration in our lives right now. And Lord, maybe we've been a little bit like Solomon. We've been pursuing and walking around asking for, you know, what is the something more that exists? And we've been putting things in the hole and we've been trying to find out, you know, what's going to fill the gap? What's going to fill that gap of something more? And we haven't been able to discover it yet. Lord, I thank you that we live in a time, unlike Solomon, where we've actually had the, we have actually get the opportunity to hear the teachings of Jesus. We actually get to see our role in the bigger picture, and we don't have to walk around like a piece of Lego feeling like we don't fit in, feeling like we have to bend laws of physics just to be accepted. We don't have to feel like that, that model is set up and we're just that last leftover piece. Lord, but whatever gift we have has been given to you and is part of a bigger picture. So Lord, help us this week to monitor our moods, to see what brings us fulfillment and what causes us frustration so that we could ultimately reconnect our gift to the giver. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.